Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast, a ministry of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. All this week, for both our free and premium subscribers, we are featuring messages from the 2023 Bible Conference in Perth, Australia. The conference theme, Taking the Gospel into the Nations. As always, thanks for listening and enjoy today's sermon. What a great uh, conference so far. I appreciate the ministry, Pastor Walsh and Pastor Taylor. Amen. You know, um, both of them are our favourite preachers now. Amen. Look at the time they finished. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. People are going to be booking them up. Glory to God. <laughs> and so, praise God. Let's have a look at Revelation 21, 24 through 27. I'm going to be looking at the subtext of our conference Pastor Greg Mitchell started with our main text and I, there was a, on our brochure there was a subtext and this was Revelation 21, 24 through 27. In 2002 through to 2007, I had the privilege of serving uh, five years in New Zealand and when I was there pastoring in Auckland, I asked uh, Pastor Scott McGrath, he's pastoring in the Hamilton Church, uh, if which is principally a Maori church, uh, if he would do an enactment of the gospel coming to New Zealand. And this is a long time ago. And he said, yes, we can do that. And uh, this involved the first Australian missionary, Samuel Marsden. Uh, he was invited by uh, a Maori chief to visit New Zealand. And then him preaching and the beginning of the conversion of the New Zealand people. The drama, uh, Te Nui was, which means good news, was the first time I'd seen this. And when the, I remember coming into this auditorium where they uh, were first doing it, and I was powerfully moved and impressed uh, by the presentation. Some parts, it was spine tingling and very glorious. And so I remember that and I know then they, uh, took that and did that in uh, other areas, I believe, to great success. To the New Zealander, it's their history. It was the history of how they heard the sacred gospel for the first time in their nation. To the Australian, it was the history of our first missionary to venture overseas and to go into another nation. And so there was a powerful time and a glorious moment. And the drama was a tribute to this historic moment. I was very moved by that. I wanna have a look at a tribute from the nations this morning from Revelation 21, verse 24. The Bible says, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. The kings of the earth bring their glory and honour into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honour of the nations into it. But there shall be no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. I want to think for a few minutes this uh, morning on a tribute to the nations. 
And what they were talking about in that drama and what they were portraying was that powerful moment. It was December the 25th, it was Christmas Day. It was 1814. And uh, in the North Island, the Bay of Islands, after the Australian or New South Wales Governor Macquarie granted Samuel Marsden four months leave of absence from Australia to go at invitation of a Maldi chief to come and bring the gospel to that nation. It's very interesting that as Marsden sailed to New Zealand in obedience to what he believed was the calling of God. Manning Clark, which is a secular writer in the history of Australia writes these words, he knew that they were cannibals, that they were a savage race, wholly under the power and influence of the Prince of Darkness. There was, as he saw it, only one remedy that could effectively free them from the cruel spiritual bondage that was the gospel of the crucified Saviour. History of Australia by Manning Clark. I want to pay tribute and have a look at a tribute to the nation. Firstly, let's consider a world divided. A world divided. Years ago, I had a privilege of also visiting uh, the great nation of South Africa, preaching for uh, uh, Brother Peter, Pastor Peter Field. And we had uh, one afternoon, we went out on a safari hunt. They have these uh, game reserves, big areas in South Africa. Uh, you have somebody go with you and, you know, there's a lot of African game there. And, you know, many times you go out shooting and whatever you shoot, you pay for. That's kind of how it works. And it does seem to work in the economy there. Anyway, as I was going out, we met with some uh, people from a certain race there in South Africa. And I was surprised, literally shocked at their level of prejudice and hate for, for other races. They said, I won't even repeat what they said, but it shocked me. It shocked me, amen, at prejudice. You know, this is not a new phenomenon. The word prejudice means preconceived opinion that is not necessarily based on reason or even actual experience. It's a preconceived opinion. Now, what are some causes perhaps of prejudice? No doubt, I think somewhat for these men in South Africa, it had been passed down from generations. Stories that fathers had told sons, that grandfathers had told the younger, stories of violation and hurt and harm, family, social groups, friends that have been passed down. It could also be rooted in a historic event. Some of us who have uh, read years ago the book Through the Gates of Splendour. It talks about uh, in 1956 when five American missionaries went to Ecuador and they, they were uh, killed and martyred by the Wodongi tribe. They went to serve. But as you read the context around that, they said around the time of the Second World War, there was a great increase in inter-clan killings with the Wodongi people themselves. As many as 60% of all Wodongi were wiped out by other clans of their own people. They said when they traced it back and they looked at it, the killings uh, were rooted in a breakdown of clan relationships 10 generations earlier. 
That's a long time, isn't it? 10 generations passed from father to son of a violation that had happened. Nate Smith wrote in 2005, the Wodongi become one of the most violent cultures ever documented, a culture where there was no forgiveness. They never got over the past, the violations, the wrongs that even have been done in other generations and the prejudice continued. This could be stereotypes, you stereotype certain groups and you are prejudiced. This could be prejudgments. But I believe it all roots back to, uh, amen, the effect uh, of the fall of mankind in early history. Sin began to bring this into the human experience. And there's interesting early text in Genesis 10, 25, to Eber was born two sons. The name of one was Pegleg, for in his days, the earth was divided and his brother's name was Joktan. So it actually marks in this early time in history, the earth is divided. This is after the languages of Baal, Babel rather, that was divided. So they were divided in their language. They began to spread out. They were divided geographically and also perhaps even on a larger scale, they were divided spiritually. The earth was divided, uh, amen. And this is what we see, uh, amen, is our history. No doubt many of us, I would say, you've been brought up whatever situation you're in, especially if you're not being brought up in a Christian family, you know, you could ask the question, did you have prejudice? Did I have prejudice? No doubt we did. No doubt uh, we at times would look down on others that were not quite the same as us, make comments or treat certain ways. A mixture of pride and arrogance. Would you say amen? We're not innocent in that. But in our text, we see a powerful verse, verse 24, Revelation 21. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honour into it. That word nations, as Pastor Romfelt said last night, ethnos in the Greek, which means a race of the same habit, a tribe, especially foreigner, non-Jewish, by implication, pagan, Gentile, heathen people. And it says here, very interesting, as we see the story of the New Jerusalem, the heavenly kingdom, this is what uh, our text in Revelation 21 is about, but it makes a very powerful comment here, those being saved from the nations. Can I say, this destroys the argument of some wicked people that say some people don't even have a soul. That's not true. The nations of the earth, people saved. Nationalities, ethnic groups all over planet earth are coming in this great, uh, amen, uh, celebration, I would say. This is a powerful thing. This is what the Bible says. Revelation 5 verse 9. And they sung a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. This is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Listen, out of every tribe, tongue, people and nation. 
If we're going to say words in response of, we can say every. Every. My wife says, don't do that. She doesn't like that, amen. But I just wanted to focus. I wanted to focus. It says every. It says every tribe, every tongue, people and nation. Isn't that glorious? This is what the Bible's saying in our text. So here we are now saved, washed in the blood, wanting to live for God. Are we then exempt from the prejudice of the past and of our forefathers of, of maybe bad history? You know, we look, only have to look to the Scripture in the Old Testament. Jonah was called by God to be a missionary, to go to that great city, Nineveh, to the Assyrian people and to preach God's Word. God was very clear, very specific about His calling, but Jonah didn't want to go. I have no doubt that there was a degree of prejudice here. I have no doubt as you read through the, the text that you see, there's dimensions playing in his life. But note as well, when he finally did go, it was perhaps one of the greatest revivals in the Old Testament. Then we see the New Testament churches birthed powerfully in Jerusalem and it's multiplying in, in its thousands and God's at work. You're sure they get some external persecution. We see that, some opposition. And Peter and John are brought up before the Council of Sanhedrin. Uh, they're threatened and we see those dimensions externally, but far more sinister and far more deadly than some external issues is what we find in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. And in those days, as the number of disciples were multiplied, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. That word complaint means a murmuring, a secret displeasure, a muttering, a grumbling. These are, this, is, this is the literal seedbed of a split in the church. What we're seeing here, it seems like uh, there is some degree of things not being fair or perceived not being fair. And we see that this could undermine a great work of God in the New Testament. So this is where the rubber meets the road. These in the Old and New Testament are the people of God, but we're dealing with some deep issues of the human heart. The sin nature tries to alienate one against another. You know, I read an uh, interesting article. It says, why Pentecostalism, multi-ethnic beginning floundered. This is in Australia, uh, Christianity Today. And it says racial harmony broke down, but the hope did not. It talked about the fact that Pentecostalism had two founders, one white, Charles Premon, and one black, William Seymour, did not go unnoticed. It perfectly signifies the interracial cooperation of the movement's early days, both at Azusa Street and in the new denominations. Not only did blacks and whites worship together with other races and ethnic groups, but many racists were transformed, prejudiced were challenged, amen. But tragically, the writer of the article said it didn't last. 
Billy Graham in his great uh, uh, revivals and crusades, uh, you know, he endeavoured to make a stand. He said, I could not understand segregation in the church. By 1952, uh, he felt compelled to take what he considered at the time a dramatic stand. He was scheduled to hold a crusade in in Jackson, uh, Mississippi, and the seating had been arranged to accommodate a segregated audience. Ropes had been erected to keep blacks and whites apart. When Graham arrived at the meeting, he personally went over and pulled the ropes down and refused to have them put back up. He actually went on to say, if you're going to have a segregated meeting, I'm not coming. So churches, I mean, have made stands and we thank God for that. But we understand still today, many of these barriers have been broken down, but we're still in a divided world. And our divided world needs healing. What is some answers? What is the answer? Let's look secondly then, a message for the nations. A message for the nations. On the day the New Testament church was birthed, we would say the day of Pentecost. It makes a powerful statement in the Word of God. Acts 2 verse 5, And when those that were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, listen, from every nation under heaven, Acts 2 verse 8. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? So the very birthday, you could say the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit empowering His believers was a multinational, multilingual event. That very day that God chose Sure, no doubt, it was still principally Jewish in nature. And why is that? Well, there was a principle. Romans 2 verse uh, 10, Paul talks about it and he says, but glory, honour, peace to everyone who works what is good. Listen, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You'll see that written throughout the New Testament that God Amen. went and allowed the Gospel to first come to the Jew and then to the Gentile. So the day of Pentecost, even though it was principally Jews from all nations on the earth, God chose that day, amen, as a multinational, multilingual event. He did that deliberately. Very powerful. And then you see a landmark moment in Acts chapter 10 now. Peter, a Jewish Believer who's been saved, a disciple of Jesus, an early leader of the church, has the vision of the sheep from heaven. And God gives him a vision and begins to interpret it. And the Bible says in Acts 10 verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Think on that for a moment. God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him. This is a powerful revelation moment. God showed him a vision on purpose. Sure, it was a multinational, multilingual event the day of Pentecost, but still many of the Jews felt that the Gospel's principally to them. And we see a revelation in Acts 
10, amen, the vision of the sheets, arise and kill, you know the story. And then these men come from Cornelius, amen, asking for Peter. Acts 10, 20, arise therefore, go down and go with them. Amen, the Holy Spirit says, doubting nothing. Why? Because I've sent them. I've sent them. So this is a divine or heavenly determination that God is into saving the nations of every people group that God divinely endorsed it at Cornelius' house. Acts 10, 46, for they heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. These are Gentiles. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptised who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So as Peter is preaching to the Gentiles, to Cornelius and his household, the Holy Ghost just comes in that place. They all start speaking in tongues, prophesying, just like it did for the Jews. Jews first, right, that's fine. And now the Gentiles. And we see this play out. And he's surprised in many ways that God interrupted his sermon. But Peter is okay with that because these people got filled with the Holy Spirit just like them. And now he's saying, who can forbid them water baptism with the understanding, meaning full membership in the church of Jesus Christ. For every Gentile believer who would repent and turn away from their sins, they can have full membership in God's church. This was the revelation that Peter had. And this is a message that resonates still to this day. I shared when I first saw the Hamilton Church do their drama play and their reenactment of the gospel coming to their great nation, deeply moved by that and rejoiced in what God has done both for the Australian and the New Zealander. But I remember when in 2000, um, in nine, after I'd come back from New Zealand, uh, we're doing a, an early uh, Easter march in the city. And uh, we're marching and then we're, we're portraying the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. And as we're there, you know, it's a big crowd. It's a Saturday, it's Easter Saturday. This is probably the, you know, the first time uh, I think that we had done that. And Pastor Payne was here with us. And my uh, job was, as the assistant at that stage, I preached the last shot. So we'd marched around, but different people had preached. You've got to remember in those days, we very rarely did altar calls on the street and asked for people to lift their hand and actually had a you know, proper altar call on the streets. This it didn't really happen. And so I remember uh, uh, I'm preaching away and, and, and talking about Jesus' death, burial and resurrection. And I made a concluding statement and I said, it does not matter what nationality you're from, what race or what background you have come from, Jesus Christ died for your sins. And as I said those words, people were arrested by the Holy Spirit. I felt something move in the spirit realm. People were just touched. 
impacted, arrested. Then I said, bow your heads. I don't ask people to close their eyes because it's not going to do it on the street because someone's going to mug them, amen. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Just, just bow your heads just for a moment. And I said, if you want to receive Christ now, you feel God, He reached out. And people started putting up their hand. Boom, 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 boom. Then called them forward, had a, a, a powerful altar call. But there was a key there. I said those words, I believe inspired by the Holy Ghost and God took that because it's a message that resonates. I'm concluding afresh, God is into saving the nations. We started out of that, a Christ for the nations outreach. We've done that in a number of cities, a number of areas with that thought in our mind that this is the heartbeat of God. So it's the heartbeat of God. God is into it. But how many know hell hates it? Hell opposes this very powerful dynamic. You know, we get a picture and a window into this in Acts chapter 22, 21 and 22. This is Paul giving a defence in Jerusalem, the Jewish people. He speaks to them in the Hebrew language. They quiet and write down. They listened to him. And then he said, and he said to me, this is the Lord saying to me, depart for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. And they listened to him unto this word. And then they raised their voice and said, away with such a fellow from the earth for he is not fit to live. What a, what a reaction. It's almost Hell just reacts. These people react in such a violent manner to Paul saying what? God loves and cares Gentile people. God has actually even sent me to be a missionary and hell immediately raises its ugly head. Hell hates that message. Well, if hell hates it, then we love it. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Pastor Wayman Mitchell made a comment at uh, the Prescott Conference 2011 on the Friday PM. He said, I've long believed that there are unique qualities, mentalities and dimensions about our fellowship that has positioned us around the world for what He, that's Jesus, is yet to do. I was intrigued by those words. I wrote them down and I got to, ask him a little bit later, uh, personally, a little bit about it. And I said, what, what are these unique qualities? What are some of them? And straight away, he made a comment. He said, number one, we're a blue collar fellowship. We're common people in our churches. Number two, he says, we're an integrated fellowship of nationalities. He said, this is powerful in all our churches. And if you ever travel around, uh, you see the integration of many races in our churches. And then he says, number three, there's a release of common people for the ministry. We're a lay movement. So, but I, I, I highlighted the thought that we're an integrated fellowship of nationalities. 
Again, going back to our text, Revelation 21, 24, and the nations of those who have been saved shall walk in its light and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honour into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. So in this great city, in this new Jerusalem, it has an open door policy. Nations can come in and go out. No people are locked in. It's not a prison and people are not locked out. That's what it says in our text. This is where we're going. Paul delivers this message when he's speaking to the Greeks in his Athens address. He says in Acts 17, 24, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And he's determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings. In other words, God has plans for ethnic groups, for nations, for people groups, and God has timing. And God loves the nations. It was just in June, not even 12 months ago, we had our last conference. And we had the privilege of making a special announcement of a wonderful couple to go into a new nation on planet Earth. Steve and Steph Lassie to go into Pakistan. They've been there, they've been established. And many of you no doubt have probably got some photos and reports, but I was specially impressed that this is a picture of their first baptism. Some beautiful people there, can you say amen? amen? And then if you flip to the other one, that's their church service. I think Steve would say, that's three weeks been open. Listen, what this text is saying, there's pre-appointed times in God. Pre-appointed times in God. You know, the question here is this morning, thank you for that. What nations and cities and people groups are open now? What cities could you and I go to? What people groups right now is God moving upon? We need to be sensitive to that. Many of us know that in the 20th of May, 2002, was the formal independence of East Timor from Indonesia, become an independent nation. I remember after that, no no doubt numbers of people that are sensitive to God and the things of God began to feel we need a church there. This new emerging nation are looking for some help. They turn towards Australia. Australia helps support them in their independence. Economic aid, military aid, other aids coming there. And I remember talking to Pastor Payne and said, Pastor, we need a church there. You know, and he agreed. And, you know, we, I believe in 2020, we sent our first church to that great nation, the Kennaways. We've had uh, the Joneses, the Plumbers, and now we have the Hounslows there. And you think about it, 
a Catholic nation, and I wanna tell you, Catholics are open to the true gospel. A Catholic nation that are looking to Australia for aid and friendship. You know, I was just up there last year and here's a bit of a video of the investment of that decision. This is, just don't put on the sound. This is, oh, I know it's beautiful singing. (laughs) How many know island people can sing, hallelujah. But look at that. And, And as we see the four missionaries that have gone up there, and you know, we've got now pastors there. We've got disciples. This is an altar call. The altars are full. See, it's God's time, isn't it? It's a people being sensitive to the time and workings, the determined times and workings of Almighty God. God has times. What other cities and nations right now need somebody to go? I was asked to go to Melbourne um, and take over that uh, church and uh, went to uh, uh, do that. And I hosted the first conference and I had a young couple that came to me and said, Pastor, we wanna, we feel called to go to New Zealand. And, uh, you know, so they've never pastored before. And so, you know, I I was talking and thinking about that a little bit, but because I'd been to New Zealand and I, had some experience and I felt an amen on that. Amen, we released this couple uh, to the Onihunga area. Do you know, the former pastor had said, I will not send you there and I have no interest in it. Pastor Dan would say, unless somebody had a heart for the place. Look Look at it now, this is just a month ago when I was just there again, just don't have to put on sound. But this is just, they know how to move, can you say amen? (laughs) So isn't it interesting, what if we miss that? What if Dan and Beck didn't go? What if I wasn't prepared to send them? Did you think of it? That is a tragedy. See, God's got preordained times and places for nations. The question is, are you just reaching people that are like you or think like you or look like you? Or are you hearing something deeper? A message from the heartbeat of God, a gospel for the nations. And are you sensitive to God's time and His timing? I want to bring it to a close with a tribute brought. What our text about the New Jerusalem, it is really talking of the kings of the earth bringing tribute before our Lord. The word tribute means a, a contribution, a wealth that a party brings to another as a sign of submission, allegiance and respect. You know, the ancient Persian Empire was an example of an ancient tribute empire. One that uh, relatively few demands on the non, 
uh, Persian subjects other than the regular payment of tribute to which was gold, luxury goods, animals, soldiers and slaves. However, failure to keep up the payment had dire consequences. You know, we read throughout the Bible, this was true. Sometimes when Israel had sinned grievously, God sold them into the hands of their enemies and they had to give tribute. We know when they were at their zenith or at their height under King Solomon, that the nations of the earth brought tribute to Solomon. You can read it, 1 Kings 4 verse 21. And they brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. So these bring of tribute would be the best from their lands, the best of their goods, and would present them before the sovereign. It could also be a tribute of words, that words were brought. No doubt we all saw this last year with the passing of Queen Elizabeth, how leaders from all over planet Earth gave tribute to that honourable, godly woman. Whether you know, I've got quotes from the Pakistani Prime Minister through to the Saudi Arabian King to doesn't matter what country, they brought tribute in their words. So you can bring a tribute in goods, you can bring a tribute in words, but also there's another dimension of tribute. It's bringing something from your culture, your singing, your performance as a gift to a sovereign. Again, going back to last year, with the late Queen's funeral. Everybody remembers the role of the mass bagpipes and drums of the Scottish and Irish regiments. When they were going down in that great procession, they were playing all the way. Not even English, but Irish and Scottish honouring a sovereign. Very powerful. So going back to our text, This is a last times or end days event. Verse 27, and there shall be no means anything that enter it that defiles or cause abomination or lie, but only those that are written in the Lamb's book of life. So very clearly, the unsaved of mankind are not entering. However, this is talking about those born again, washed in the blood. These nations, these people are saved from all the nations blood washed and they bring the glory and honour of the nations into it. I was thinking, you know, you bring it before God and Jesus Christ and they're bringing tribute, probably gold and silver and even food are not the currency of the day. What are people bringing? What's of value then? What is the true riches? The wealth of the nation and the nations, no doubt, is its people. They're bringing something of its distinctives from each people group, its life, its spirit. And they're bringing it before God. Very, very powerful. As I bring it to a close, where will you feature on that day? What will you be bringing before the King? 
your best. Then I even Googled out a little bit. What will the Australian fellowship bring on that day? What will Australia bring? What will Australia bring to the Lord on that day? Do you know the history of our nation? European settlement, 1788, with the first colony. Do you know it was only 21 years before we sent our first missionary to another nation? As I said, Samuel Martin, 21 years of of an infant baby nation. You know, our fellowship founded here in Perth, 1978. It was only between five and six years of this church even starting, we were sending our first missionary overseas. Five to six years. Alan Anderson says in the book, To the Ends of the Earth, Pentecostalism is above all else a missionary movement. If we're Pentecostals, we need to be missionaries. When I look back at the first missionary out of Australia, the record is the crowning work of Mr. Marsden's life, which in itself would make certain his name will never die, was the introduction of the Christian faith to New Zealand. His heart and soul was in the evangelisation of that country, its name on his dying lips. Many of you, you've read his last missionary tour. He, he travelled seven times. He's now 72 years old. Uh, a, a difficult journey. He's suffering in his health, but I must go back. I must go back. He travels to New Zealand. They said at 72 years old, bowed and infirmed, he insisted on visiting his beloved Maldives again. Whenever he went, he was greeted by Christians with tears of joy. The heathen population indicated their gladness, firing off muskets and performing their war dances. An old time chief sat gazing at him for a long time and reported by a bystander, it seemed to be rude, but he said, leave me alone. Let me take one last look for I'll never see again the one whose lips God sent me with the blessed news of salvation. When he disembarked, the Maldives carried him on their shoulders 10 kilometres to the ship. And he makes the statement, look what God has wrought. You know, in closing, the Scripture says in Psalm 2 verse 8, ask of me and I'll give you the nations. And the uttermost parts of the earth is your possession. And the question I'm going to have an older call right now, what tribute will we bring to God on that day? We have a calling. We have a destiny. God has laid it down and we have a vision that has been passed down. And we, the job is not yet done. As Pastor Walsh says, it's perhaps still half time. There's still much to do. What about you? What could you do? How can you be a part of this powerful calling, the gospel?
for all nations. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heads bowed, eyes are closed. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.